Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and two other great programs, Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program, which provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year students, along with leadership training and mentors, and Journey to Esquire, the blog, which provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. I'd like to give a special thanks to all of our supporters, especially our JD-level sponsors, the United States District Courts, Middle District of Florida, Bench Bar Fund, and Agape Christian Bar Preparation Services for their generous support. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you all so much for joining uh, the Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Here today, I have Marin Gabrimesco Esquire, who's so gracious to join us all the way from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'm so excited to have Marin here on the show. Um, she's a proud daughter of Eritrean refugees. She completed her undergraduate studies at the University of Miami and went on to go to law school at Florida State University. She then went on to become barred in both Florida and Texas. Her first years as an attorney, she worked primarily in private practice, focusing primarily on um, immigration law. She eventually started her own law firm where she advocated for immigrants. And then she jumped in the lion's den and worked for the USCIS as an asylum officer and immigration services officer. More recently, Marin uh, served as a trial lawyer at the U.S. Department of Housing and Develop and Urban Development. So there's no question that you know, she keeps busy. But nevertheless, she has made time to be a mother, a wife, and the author of Cactus Fruit, a book of poems, where she talks about the pains of pleasures of her incredible life. So we are so happy that you have taken some time to speak to us today. Uh, really, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So uh, if I am correct, I believe you started your career uh, not as an immigration attorney. So can you talk about what you first did out of law school and how you transitioned into immigration and decided this is what I want to do? Yes. Good question. So um, actually, my first year, I worked um, as a foreclosure associate in South Florida. So I started as a Florida attorney um, and I did that for a, about a year. Um, and after that, decided that immigration was really my, my passion, what I really wanted to do. So I took a job to move to Texas, which was um, my home state and do uh, immigration in Houston. So I worked with the firm for a bit before starting my practice. Um, and I started my practice back in 2011. Um, but the transition was more so because, you know, foreclosure law was not necessarily what I initially wanted to do. It was the job that I got out of law school. Um, so I was very meticulous on saying, okay, I want to focus on the area of law that is very personal to me. My, my parents came as immigrants, specifically refugees of uh, Eritrea 
a few months before I was born. So immigration law has always been very um, personal to me. I, when I went to law school, I think I was known as the international human rights slash immigration attorney. So I, I always wanted to go back to, you know, what, what my focus was. So I was very specific on what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to return to Texas. So. Okay. So would you say when, when you were in law school, you, you knew you wanted to work in immigration or, or something like that. And then you just, you just, it just didn't work. Like you couldn't find a job in immigration straight out of law school. Is, is that, was that your experience? To be honest, my my goal in law school, I knew I wanted to do something related to international law, human rights law, and or immigration. So it was just this very broad. I, I love traveling. I studied abroad in undergrad. Um, I went to the UK and then traveled all around uh, Europe when I was there in undergrad. And then in law school, I did uh, an internship in Eritrea. And I also did a human rights program in um, Costa Rica. And so I knew that human rights advocacy, um, helping immigrants was very personal to me. Um, and I would say that finding a job right out of law school wasn't, it wasn't the easiest for me. So um, getting that foreclosure attorney position I felt gave me a lot of that good experience that I needed in order to become an even better attorney as a whole, regardless of what type of attorney I became, whether it was human rights or um, an immigration attorney. So I'm, I got a lot of, of court time and, and I, I enjoyed it. I think, I think that's a good lesson for, you know, for law students to learn is that, you know, not, you're not always going to get your dream job at your dream law firm or, or, or whatever, um, straight out of law school. Sometimes you need to take those stepping stones and uh, think outside the box into, into how am I gonna develop the skills to become a better ex so that I can get the job I've always dreamed of. So yeah, I actually took a, a pay cut to, to take the job in um, Houston doing immigration, but it was something that, it was that important to me that I, you know, I decided to do it. Okay. And would, would you say, um, I think I know the answer, but would, would you say that it, in your experience, um, you know, that it's it's just not about the money at the end of the day, that it's, you know, getting up, going to work and doing something you love that's more important than, you know, bigger figures and on a salary? Uh, I know what you think I'm going to say. I think the money is important, honestly, and, and specifically depending on how much debt you have and have incurred. So I don't want to discount the financial element to it. Um, right now, I've decided to take a step back from the practice of law um, to to just focus on my other passions. Um, but I, I'm blessed and grateful to have that opportunity because because I have the support of my husband and my family. Um, so I don't want to say it's not about the money. And, and I'm saying that specifically for those who who like getting that job that that pays really well um, and then potentially transitioning. I think for each person, it's different. Um, for me right now, to answer your question, 
it's not about the money. Um, it's more about my my time. I think my time is equally as valuable as how much money I can get. Um, and that's why I I resigned from my last position um, as a trial attorney with HUD. They were great to me. It was a great organization, but it was just, you know, I have three little ones, six years old and under. And um, I just, I wanted more time with them for myself, for my family. Um, so right now it's not about the money. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. So you are, like you said, you you are a mother to three uh, young boys uh, under six. So I'm, I'm sure that uh, we have a lot of listeners who are mothers and, you know, they might be in law school and they might be concerned with that very thing. How do I balance, you know, being a young attorney who has to, you know, prove, I have to prove myself. I have to show these people I'm worthy of, of this position, but then I also have, you know, equally or maybe even more important responsibilities at home. So how, how do you balance that? Or what advice do you have to students in that, in that position? Um, the advice I have is just to, to constantly check in with yourself and your what your priorities are, what you want to do, what you want to focus on. Um, for me, I, I had just started a, a new job about a little over a year ago um, as a trial attorney at HUD. And it was a great job, great opportunity, but I had just had a, a new baby. He was about four or five months when I started. So I was still breastfeeding. I was working from home the whole time. And, and there are great aspects. In fact, I love working from home, but it also gets very draining when you're working from home and your kids are right around the corner and having to hire someone to, to take care of your children. And you can hear them and, and just balancing it all, still trying to maintain like, well, I want to have lunch with them during, you know, lunchtime. And so it was just, it was a lot, but I think it's important to, like I said, check in and say, you know, this right now is not, um, if it's not working for you, it's important to say it's not working for me and, and to be able to take a step back. Um, what I really enjoyed, and I'm going to get to my book, of course, Cactus Fruit, um, writing this book really helped me. I, I decided that I'm going to start and finish the book um, in January of this past year um, because it's always been something that I've wanted to do. I've, I've wanted to be a published author and I, I did this for me. So I talk about a lot of topics such as motherhood, such as marriage, um, balancing it all, the emotions. And I think in writing this book, it made me realize that, you know what, I'm just, I'm doing a lot and I don't want to do a lot right <laughs> I don't want to do a lot right now. I, I want more time with my kids. I want more time to, um, to, to make money, but in a limited amount of time, like for, for right now, 40 hours plus for me is just difficult. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't want to do that potentially after all my kids are in school, but for right now, it's, it's not what I want to do. So, um, I think it's important to check in with yourself, to, to be honest with your feelings, um, writing this, this book of poems for me kind of gave me that ability to like ask myself questions and, and think about things that I, I don't think I would have thought about without writing it. So. Right, so yeah, so more on, on cactus fruit. So you're, you're saying that 
writing the book actually opened your eyes and, and, and helped you, like you writing your own book helped you, I guess, you know, kind of check yourself and see, oh, I need to switch gears and, and, and focus on me for a little bit. Can you tell us about that experience a little? Yeah, I mean, there's so many poems in this book that, that kind of go to that uh, point. In fact, I'm going to read one that's called um, Unworthy Mother. And it kind of sums up all of the feelings I was feeling. Um, so I'm just going to start. It's called Unworthy Mother. I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not going to say that I have done enough. I'm doing a horrible job. You can't convince me that I'm doing the best I can do. I'm not worthy of them. You can't make me think that I deserve my children. And then at the bottom, it says, now reread from bottom to top. So it's the same poem. I'm going to read it from bottom to top. I deserve my children. You can't make me think that I'm not worthy of them. I'm doing the best I can do. You can't convince me that I'm doing a horrible job. I have done enough. I'm not going to say that I'm not a good enough mother. And um, what what this poem kind of sums up for me is the duality, the the dichotomy of feelings that you feel as, as a working mom. Sometimes you feel like I am just horrible. I'm not doing a good enough job. Um, I'm working too much. They're not getting enough time for me. And then there's other times where you feel like, oh my gosh, I should be like recognized. I'm so awesome. <laughs> so you kind of go through the same emotion sometimes in the same hour. So um, it's just, you know, this dueling, uh, these dueling emotions that, that you deal with as mothers sometimes that I felt writing poems and, and talking about it and being honest and vulnerable about it helped me see that, you know what, for right now, I don't want to do 40 hours plus. I, I want more time with my kids. I want more time to myself. I want more time to explore my creative side. So to, to maybe write more books, to um, potentially start a business where I'm helping moms balance it all. So it really helped me kind of work through the emotions that I was going through as an attorney, as a mom. And kind of work, working backwards a little bit. I read that you, you've always had this hobby of writing ever since you were a kid, right? So, uh, during law school and during the practice of law, is that something that you kind of put to the side and then just picked it up again now? Or is that something that um, you kept doing as a stress reliever or, or whatever it may be uh, as an attorney or, or law student? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because when I was uh, a teenager is when I really wrote a lot in my, in my journal. I would just write poems, sometimes just a journal entry. Um, that's when I did a lot of writing um, and was more in tune with my creative side. Throughout college, I would write here and there, but not as much. And then once you become a lawyer, you don't you don't really have a lot of time. But one thing that I love doing in my law practice, so I have my law practice. I still have a portion of my law practice um, for 11 plus years where I do immigration uh, law. One thing I, I love doing that's still very um, personal to me is asylum appellate briefs. So if someone lost their case in um, immigration court, I'd like to draft the, the BIA, the Board of Immigration Appeals, the, the appellate briefs. And it's interesting because, you know, when I think of it, a lot of the writings, a lot of the briefs that I did, there's an element of creative writing to it. You know, you're taking the transcript, you're dissecting it, you're reviewing it. But I think it's important to kind of 
think outside the box and, and remember that, you know, these judges that are reading them are human beings. So to, to make it a story, to, to include facts that, that are compelling to, to draw to, to their emotions. So I feel like I did a lot of creative writing, if you want to say, um, with my appellate briefs. And, and I continue to do that, but um, it, it's different when you're actually writing a poem. So uh, I actually wrote two novels before this book um, throughout motherhood. And it's funny because I would get to the end, I've said this before in other interviews, and then I'd be like, I don't, I don't like them anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even wanna continue. So what I liked about poetry is it's, it's like a short story. You start it, you finish it, and then you could go on to the next one. I do think that I'm going to continue writing um, potentially other poetry books, but also novels and other types of genres as well. We can talk a lot, a little bit about um, any challenges that you face being a first generation American and how you are still able to succeed in so many facets in life despite that. Yeah. Um, so my parents coming to the U.S., I. I think being born and raised, I was actually born and raised mostly here in, in Fort Worth. And I felt very different from everyone else. Um, besides, of course, those who were Eritrean Americans like me. But um, it's just we the cultural experience that you have as as the daughter or the son of immigrants is very different than others. Um, one that shaped me into wanting to do immigration law and to, you know, focusing on the career that I focused on. Um, the the next poem book that I wanna do involves um, poems from grandma. And I feel like women have a lot, older women specifically have a lot to, to say, specifically women from other countries, they've been through so much. So um, my experience in going through law school was different, it was unique. Um, I didn't necessarily have, you know, people in my family who were attorneys who I can kind of go to. And and this doesn't, it's not um, an issue that you only experience as uh, an Eritrean American or a, a daughter of immigrants, but I just have very unique experiences. And I think going through law school and, and trying to find a job, I felt that, you know, I was trying to figure out different things to do um, kind of on my own. And my mom was very supportive and helpful and, you know, helped a lot, but there were things that I just, I wasn't used to doing or I wasn't used to seeing others do that I, I had to try on my own. But it definitely shapes the the mindset that I have, the the cultural upbringing that I have and, and my practice in the law. Yeah. So, now, as I understand, you are uh, in a non-traditional career path. So you've stepped away from the practice of law. Um, you're still providing um, advice to practicing attorneys in immigration law, but uh, my understanding is that you've taken uh, kind of a step back and you're focusing on your writing. So uh, what advice do you have for anyone that's considering uh, a non-traditional career after you know, maybe going to law school or even practicing law for a few years. Yeah, I, I think if you have something in you that's telling you, I want to do something that's, you know, out of the box or different, just to be honest with your, your feelings and yourself and pursue it if you're able to. And I say that because I know there are different reasons you might not be able to. 
Um, but it's, it's always kind of been a calling in the back of my mind, writing and um, having some type of business that uh, specifically is about empowering women. Um, but for others, it might be other areas. I, it's, it's interesting because I don't know that many um, people who I went to law school with who have taken non-traditional routes. And by the way, there are, there are a few but I think in general, the majority of us go down the attorney route. Um, now, what I can say is that I do feel that at some point for many of us who have become attorneys and have been practicing for a while, we kind of get to this point where, you know, maybe I do want to try different things. I just think it's important to know that it could happen at different times. It can happen when you're deep into your career. It could potentially even happen at the beginning. Maybe from the beginning, you knew that I don't necessarily want to be a barred attorney or I want to be barred and right after I want to do something completely different. I think it's important to pursue your, your passion. Um, and, and it doesn't even have to be a passion per se, an interest that you have and, and be okay with it. Still know that you have the education um, and the backing to, to support you in, in some other way if you want to go that route. I love knowing that you know what, if I decide that writing or um, the business with empowering women isn't for me anymore, or, you know, I'm exhausted with it, whatever the case may be, I always have this degree and, you know, my bar cards to fall back on. Knowing that you have the education, I mean, I, I personally think I learned a lot in, in law school and through the process of being an attorney, but it's okay to take a step back sometimes. All right, um, this has been all great. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you a, for having me. As a young attorney, I, I really do appreciate uh, all the advice and all the eye-opening uh, experiences that you've gone through. So I, I do appreciate it. So uh, what advice would you offer to uh, new and future law students um, and even young attorneys like myself? I, I honestly want to say that I've gotten many more opportunities from thinking outside the box and being um, assertive about what I wanted. Um, don't think that an opportunity is necessarily going to, to fall in your lap, um, whether it's applying for jobs and saying, you know, picking up the phone and just asking if, if someone's hiring or going to a networking event and and telling someone that you're looking or that you're interested in their career, or um, just just be open, be assertive, and be very intentional about what you want. Um, I actually saw something on LinkedIn, and this isn't fully relevant, but um, it was a sign of someone who, I think he was outside of like the New York subway station. I'm probably getting all these facts wrong, but um, he just had like his CV on a on a board with a barcode um, saying, you know, I just graduated if you're looking and, and he got a job doing it that way. I just, I my, my point is don't always depend on that, you know, the career services programs to, to get you the job. Focus on your networks, um, who you know, your ability, your strengths and, and finding the opportunity that you want specifically. That's great advice. Thank you so much again for thank you for having being me. here. Uh, please keep us updated with 
any do, new developments in your in your career, any new books, anytime you want to come back, we'd, we'd love to have you again. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. And, and please make sure you buy my book, Cactus Fruit, A Book of Poems. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart. Um, and more information about my book and how to purchase can be found on my website. My author's website is medongovermentschool.com. And that's M-A-R-R-O-N. G-E-B-R-E-M-E-S-K-E-L.com. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Support, share, subscribe. And for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com.